are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, hey, today we're in our series called Released by the Cross, and we're focusing on why the Lord Jesus had to die and what that means for us today, and we're specifically looking at our identity. When we understand all the things that the Lord Jesus provided for us at the cross, it helps us to know who we are and how we can minister to others. So very, very important, and so many things that He released to us on the cross. I think this is our fifth topic today, and it fits right in with our topic for the day too. So I'm going to start by asking you a question. It's going to sound like a weird question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Does the thought of death scare you? Are you afraid of dying? Are you afraid of dying? Sometimes. You know, most people live with a strong fear of death. Uh, There's a 2019 survey published uh, by a Statista research group, and it showed that 42% of Americans are either very afraid or somewhat afraid to die. 42%, that's a a lot of people. Um, For me, I'm not too afraid of death. When I was in college, I was working for a paper company. I was a janitor, and I was getting to know one of the security guards there. He was from Ukraine, and he was kind of a different guy, but we'd talk about God and talk about life. And one day I went in to clean the, uh, the guard shack and he came up behind me, and he put, it, he put a gun to my head. This was really strange. And said, uh, I, I, I want you to deny Christ, or I'm going to shoot you, he said. <laughs> that's, my, that's my best Ukrainian accent. And I, like this thing, it just happened like that. You're in one of those moments where just, you're just in a dangerous situation all at once. I thought, okay, I, I, I don't think this guy is going to pull the trigger and shoot me in the head. But I... But, I'm not, you know, when someone's got a, they're stupid enough to put a gun to your head, you know, they could do it. So I refused, and then he didn't shoot me, and I went on with my work, and he was gone the next week. The very, the very next day, he was gone. But it made me think about death a little bit in my relationship with the Lord, because I had friends, had a good friend in China years ago, and his name was Oscar Wells. I've talked about him before. He was a missionary preaching in China, and a friend of his, John, and their families were all there. And one day they're out giving the gospel and they're surrounded by Chinese authorities and a similar thing happened to them. The authorities came up to them and put a gun to their head and said, "Uh, you're going to deny Jesus and you're going to stop doing this and you're going to go home or we're going to shoot you. And Oscar's friend John refused and they they shot him and killed him right there in front of Oscar, right on the spot. And uh, they took Oscar and his family and put him in prison. Uh, I've told their story before. They, his wife was pregnant, and she had a baby, and her, her baby born in that Chinese prison was Shannon Lucid, who became the famous astronaut, and the first woman to spend time in the space station was born in that prison. He was, a, he was a mentor to me, but they killed his friend. Now, I don't think that we're in danger of being killed for our faith, although it's happening around the world today, very much so, but I do want to ask the question, are you afraid to die? You know, around the world today, uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is being celebrated, and it's pretty exciting to think of what He did for us. He was dead, and three days later, He rose. You know, it becomes like a a romantic story in our minds sometimes, but He was literally tortured and killed and died and put in a tomb, and three days later, He literally came back from the dead. 
uh, and was raised. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8 says this, For I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, Paul wrote. You know, and it's, it's interesting, you know, the early church was so in touch with the resurrection power released to us at the cross that they would say, oh, he just fell asleep. <laughs> he just fell asleep, you know. It was just like, this is just temporary. He's coming back, you know, just like Jesus did. And I'm not here to prove to you what happened on that day. I think the account of all the witnesses and church history and God's experience in our lives is, is enough. But I am here to tell you that his death on the cross released something to us, okay, that say yes to him. Resurrection power was released into our lives uh, and victory over death was released to us by the cross, that we don't have to be afraid of death because of what Jesus has done for us in our relationship with Him. And uh, He destroyed the power of death, and He liberated us from the fear of death because if we believe in Him, we know that we're going to live again. John eleven twenty five through 26, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So we as his followers should be free and liberated from the fear of dying. We don't have to be afraid of death, okay? Now, when talking about our coming resurrection, because I believe that the way Jesus rose from the dead is how we're going to rise. We're going to get new bodies. They're going to be glorified bodies. Scott Prey believes he's got his already, but for the most of us, we're going, to, we're going to have new glorified bodies, and it's going, to be, it's going to be awesome. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And to verify this promise that we have about that Scripture, to, uh, God has given us faith to do these things, uh, not just to, uh, to be raised, but even now the power to heal and the power to see the dead raised, which sounds kind of crazy, but that's what the Bible preaches. I learned a long, long time ago, I don't preach my experience, I, I preach what the Bible says. And even things, I've seen some things, but I haven't seen some things, but I preach it all because that's what's in the Word. And it might sound, might sound kind of crazy. We've seen some people healed, some eyes and some conditions and some headaches and some different things, but we believe that God has given us the power through the cross to see people healed and even to see the dead raised, which might sound kind of crazy. Now, just as many aspects of the Lord's crucifixion was portrayed in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New Testament, I want us to look at a couple examples of people being raised from the dead to show that God's power liberates us from the fear of death. 
Now, how many of you guys have heard of Elisha the prophet? There was Elijah the prophet, and he raised somebody from the dead. And there was Elisha the prophet, who was kind of his protege, you know, and uh, he raised a boy, boy from the dead. He was traveling through a city called Shunem, and a lady prepared a room for him because he was a prophet, and he, he needed some help and gave him food and a room and took care of him. And one day he said to her, what do you, would you like me to do for you? And she said, well, I'm, I'm fine. That's how everybody responds. How you doing? I'm fine. She was fine. But he said, uh, you don't have a son. Why don't I pray for you that you'll have a son? So he prayed for her, and God gave her a son. And that son grew up, and one day he had a severe headache. We would probably call that today a, a brain aneurysm. Probably was what it was. Who knows? Went into her house, and he died. So here God gave her the son, and then he dies. And this is what happened next. He sent for Elijah, and it said, when Elijah entered the house, behold, behold the boy was what? He was dead, <laughs> okay? Laid on his bed. Now, death is unmistakable. Now, when we see someone prepared by the funeral home, they, they look like they're sleeping. You know, we've, been, we've all been to funerals. But I remember the first time I saw somebody who was, who was dead, who had not been to the funeral home yet. It was my grandpa Hall. And he had gone in for some surgery. He was probably 88. He, he had lived a full life. And he died on the operating table. So they called the family. I just happened to be down in Missouri. And we went. And my grandpa was in bed. And, and he was dead. And it didn't look like the funeral home. You could, just tell, you could look at him. And his eyes were shut, but his mouth was frozen. He was, you could tell... He was an empty shell and there was nobody home. Death is unmistakable. You, could, you can tell when someone's dead when you see them. Well, anyway, this, this boy was dead. Elisha looked at him and there was no mistake that he was dead. So Elisha entered the house, shut the door behind them both, and he prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed, laid on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he bent down on him, and the flesh of the child became warm. He was dead, but he started coming back to life. Then he returned and walked in the house back and forth once. He went and bent down on him, and the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And he told his servant, call the Shunammite, the, the mom. So he called her. When she came to him, he said, pick up your son. He's alive. And then she came in and fell at his feet and bowed down to the ground, and she picked up her son and left. Now, this would have been a big deal. You know, we don't hear many, off, many times that a person is dead, and then they come back to life. But that's exactly what happened. Now, this was part of the Lord Jesus' ministry when he was on this earth. Did you know that? That several times he raised people from the dead. It's pretty crazy, more than once. And John said in his gospel... But there are also many other things which Jesus did besides what was written. If they were written in detail, I expect the whole, that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. There are three instances of the dead being raised in the Old Testament. There are three instances in the Gospels, and there's three instances in the book of Acts. But there are many, many more times this happened. And I bet Jesus raised many people from the dead. Um, I love to read these accounts. You know, when Jesus did a miracle, he didn't do it to prove that he was God. He did it to prove that he cared and to show his compassion for people. So there is this one instance where a synagogue ruler came to the Lord Jesus 
And he said this, my daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her and she will live. Now, that's such a great statement. Now, we care, if, you have, if you're a parent, we care about our kids, don't we? You ever have your kid be really, really sick? And it's, it's kind of scary. And we feel for our children. This guy, his daughter was at the point of death. And he went to Jesus. And his faith is amazing because he just knew that Jesus could come and lay hands on her and that she was going to be going to be healed. And maybe he had seen him do this before. Maybe he had heard about it, but he was just absolutely sure. Hey, come. Went all this way, found Jesus. Come and lay your hands on my daughter because she's sick and she's going to be healed. And while they're having this conversation, someone shows up from his home and says, oh, it's too late. She just died. Now imagine how that, you would feel if that was you. And someone just comes up and says, oh, your child just passed away. Your child just died. And it would have been very tough. But Jesus said something to him very interesting. He said this, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid. (laughs) Mark 5, they came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. They would hire professional mourners in that day when someone died to help mourn for the dead. He said to them, why are you making such a commotion and weeping? The child has not died, but is asleep. (laughs) And they began laughing at him. But putting them all outside, he took along the child's mother and father and his own companions and entered the room where the child was in bed and taking the child by the hand, very little fanfare, took took the child by the hand, the dead child, and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately... The girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astonished. I don't know why Jesus would raise a, a junior high kid from the dead, you know, necessarily, <laughs> that's a bad joke. Mary was a junior high kid, you know. She was 12 years old, and he, he, he raised her up very, you know, in the Old Testament accounts, uh, the prophets would pray to God to raise the dead, but Jesus had authority. And he just went, and, he, and he, he didn't pray here. He just went and took the little girl, and she said, get up. And, and she obeyed, and her spirit came back into her body, and she stood up, and he presented her to her dad alive. It shows that Jesus had authority over death, which is so important for us to know, and that he cares about people. Every one of these miracles, every one of these healings was to show his great love for people. Now, he did another one I think is, this is my favorite. There was a funeral procession coming out of the city called Nain. And it was the only son of a, of a lady had passed away, which meant that she was going to be unprovided for, unprotected. Uh, she was going to be alone the rest of her life. And here comes this funeral procession, and Jesus just happens to be walking that way. And here comes this funeral procession. And this story is being told through the eyes of a doctor named Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts. He was a doctor. It says, now as he approached the the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord Jesus saw her, he felt compassion for her. Okay? And I I love this. This is why he healed people. Not to prove he was God, but because he cared and he loved people. And he said to her, do not go on weeping. And he came up and he he touched the coffin 
And, and the bearers came to a halt, and he said, this, this is kind of like the last one, young man, I say to you, what? Arise. arise. Okay. Little girl, arise. I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. You know, there's, there's times where I would have liked to have been there to see, you know, how, because we just kind of sanitize this, and we've read these stories, these accounts, but all of a sudden this guy just sits up out of the coffin, and you just wonder what the reaction would have been. And he began to speak, and I'm thinking, what did he say? Like, what's going on here? Or, hey, I was, I'm back. <laughs> you know, I don't know, what he, I don't know what he said, you know. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. It says, fear gripped them all. And they began glorifying God. Now, we all know the story of Lazarus, don't we? That's, that's a famous one. This is this was a biggie. You know, he, he would stay at the house of, mother, of Martha and Mary and, and Lazarus' house when he passed through. And he, uh, Lazarus got sick and he died. And Jesus was a ways away and they sent word to him because they knew what he could do. And they said, come, my brothers, my brothers died and, and, you can, and you can raise him up. Well, he took his time, which just seems kind of weird. He, just, he, didn't, he didn't rush. And because um, a lot of times when someone dies and it hasn't been long, and then I guess you go pray for him or raise him up, you could say, well, they weren't really dead. Well, this guy had been dead for three days, and he was in the tomb with the stone rolled over it. And Jesus shows up, and Martha says, if you had been here he wouldn't have died. She had given up hope. And that's when Jesus says, I'm, I'm the resurrection and the life. So he goes up and it says, uh, remove the stone. So John 11, they removed the stone and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, but I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it so they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He, just, he shouts this out, you know. With a, with a little girl, he said, just took her hand, arise. With, the, with the, the, the guy in the coffin, he just said, you know, arise, get up. But he shouts this up. This is a little more theatrical. He was making sure that people understood what was happening because this was a big deal, and, got, and this guy had been dead for three days. And when he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus came out, out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings. They had wrapped him up like embalming cloths, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And I'm thinking, if you were there and saw that, and the guy's been dead for three days, and you, and you call out, Lazarus, come out, and he comes out, you know, when they, when they see him come out, you know somebody screamed. You know somebody had to be a little concerned, you know, been like, well, what's going on here? And uh, it, it was very interesting. And Lazarus became kind of the, the poster boy of what Jesus could do. And, and people, it was, he was a verified person who had been raised from the dead, and people believed in Jesus because of this. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, which was amazing, and we know, we know the account of how this happened, but do you know that Jesus was the, wasn't the only person that day who was risen from the dead? He was not the only one. Listen to this. John 27 says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit on the cross. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, 
and the rocks were split. Also the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, Jesus came out first, and then all these people in Jerusalem were supernaturally raised up. Like Jesus saying, hey, I'm just going to show you what I can do. <laughs> and they entered the holy city and appeared to many. There were many resurrections. We celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus today, but there were many people who rose from the dead, that God rose from the dead that day after Jesus' resurrection. And he was demonstrating his power over death and over the grave. The power of death was broken at the cross. Do you know when the Lord Jesus commissioned his 12 disciples and the 72 disciples? This is what he told them. I'm going to send you in the cities. He said this, heal the sick. Everybody say, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Okay. Cleanse those with leprosy. You don't have to say that. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go and raise the dead. We don't talk about these things in church very much. But Jesus has power and authority over death. He said the same thing to the 72, and he meant for his followers to walk in his power and his authority over sickness and death. You know, there's a time for all of us to die. When you're, when you're, my grandpa was 88 years old when he died in that hospital, and I saw him, you know. But people die when they're 40 and 30 and 20. The Bible says that I've, I've given the man three score and 10 years. You know, if someone dies and they're older, pretty good chance it's just their time. But when someone dies when they're 20 or 30, you know, I've done a lot of funerals, and people always want to say, well, God took, God took them home, which I hate to hear that, because it's not like, well, God just killed my son or God just killed my daughter, it was the Lord. And, you know, we make choices in life, and, and sometimes we die before our time. But God gave Jesus, the authority over sickness and over death, and it's part of the gospel. It's not just that Jesus died for you and one day you're going to go to heaven. Jesus died for you, and he rose, and you're going to rise, but he's also doing things now. Eternity starts today. God gives us eternal life. It's not like, well, one of these days we're just going to suffer through and we're not going to see God move or do anything, but one of these days we're going to have it all, <laughs> you know? But no, that's not how it is. Jesus told his followers, go heal the sick, go raise the dead, go cast out demons, go do these things. It's, it's all part of the gospel. Now, in the book of Acts, there were three. I'm going to be real fast with this. Um, there was a lady named Tabitha. She was a disciple in Joppa who did a lot of good works and acts of charity, and she got sick and she died. We don't know how old she was. I think she was a little bit older. And her friends were very upset because, she, you know those people that are just so kind and awesome and do things for people, they're just amazing kind of people? You know, um, this is kind of who she was. And they reached out to Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, and to come, Acts 9, when he arrived... They brought him into the room upstairs, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Tabitha, or Dorcas was her Greek name, used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, what? Arise. There's that word again. <laughs> Tabitha, arise. Arise. 
And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up, and calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Not a lot of fanfare, relationship with the Lord, a little prayer, Tabitha, arise. Just like you saw Jesus do with the synagogue leader's daughter. And then Paul was doing ministry in a city called Lystra, and he healed a guy uh, whose feet were disabled. And when he did this, there was uh, the people that were there were raised with Greek mythology, and they said, he's Zeus and Apollo, come down to us. And he said, no, I'm just, I'm just a man. And they turned on him, and they took Paul out, and they stoned him. Now, stoning was very interesting. What, what they would do with you when they stoned you, they just didn't throw rocks at you. You know, we hear about stonings. They would, the two people who accused you of doing something would take you to the edge of a cliff, biggest cliff they could find, and they would throw you off the cliff. And you would land, and then when you landed, those two would take the first stones and throw them. You know how it says, the Bible says, everything's established by two or three witnesses. In a stoning, they would be the ones who throw the stones. So they threw Paul off a cliff, and then they stoned him. And afterwards, it says that he got up, and he just walked away. You know, I don't know if somebody prayed for him or what, but said that he was, he was dead, and he, and he rose up, and he walked out. Paul had a big vision in his life, by the way, where he went into heaven and saw things that he says that we, we're not going to speak about. I don't want you to hear about it. But he says, to live as Christ, to die is gain. He says, man, it's better for me to die because this is going to be awesome, what God has for me next. But living is good for you. But he was raised from the dead. And one more, and this is about a guy, this is, this is the guy I was telling you about today. Um, guy's name is Eutychus. Eutychus is a great name. If you have any more kids, feel free to name him Eutychus if you want to, okay? This is Eutychus, okay? Um, Paul was preaching in Philippi, and since he knew he was leaving the next day, he preached and he preached and he preached and he preached. The Bible says he preached till midnight. You've got nothing to complain about here. Okay, he preached till midnight. There was a young man named Eutychus sitting in the windowsill, and it says this in Acts 20. Eutychus was sitting in the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep while Paul was preaching. And as Paul kept on talking, Eutychus was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for he is still alive. And they took away the boy alive, and they were greatly comforted. See, I think there are many more examples of people being raised in the early church because Jesus broke the power of death when he died on the cross, and he released power and authority to us. So that just begs the question, are people being raised from the dead today? Was this just something that happened in the early church, or is God still raising people from the dead? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> Jesus not only has the power over death, but he gives that power uh, and authority to his followers to see people healed and see the dead raised. It's given through the Holy Spirit so that those who follow Jesus and are part of his church can be used to do greater things than Jesus did. This is in the Bible again. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. 
And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Jesus said, the people that come after me and follow me, they're going to continue my works. In fact, they're going to do greater works than I did. So why does this matter? <laughs> why, why does a person being raised from the dead matter? Why did Jesus raising from the dead, the Father raised him from the dead 2,000 years ago, we're celebrating it, why does that matter? Because it gives us hope for our future and for now that He is God, that He loves us, and that He cares. Uh, it matters to the family of the people that die and are raised, and I believe it's a down payment of things to come. God's power is at work. I didn't write this down in Ephesians chapter 1. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you, is what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1. He, he wrote that by experience. It wasn't just some words he, he found. He wrote that down out of his experience. So there are hundreds and hundreds of people being raised from the dead today, all over the world, right here in our country. I want to give you just two quick examples, okay? Uh, I got a picture of a guy named Dr. Chauncey Crandall. I wrote this book in a day, The Simple Heart Cure. He was a, a cardiologist in South Florida. And this is what he, what he wrote. Uh, Jeff Marking walked into the ER and died. As the chief cardiologist, I was called to the scene. I went to the ER and walked in, and there was a man who had a massive heart attack. They'd been working on this man for more than 30 minutes, and he was dead. <laughs> the doctor running the case came in and said, what do you think we can do? And Dr. Chauncey said, that man's dead. There's nothing more you can do. This was a morning that I'd been very busy, he said, and didn't even want to go to the emergency room, but the staff had asked me into the situation. The man was clinically dead. I was the cardiologist in the hospital for the day, so they wanted another opinion on whether they'd done all the protocol to bring him back to life. I had to sign off on him being dead and get on with my work. I had never seen anyone this dead before. <laughs> Amazingly, his whole body was black. We call it cyanosis. We finished the code, and the ER doctor declared him dead. They were cleaning the body and preparing it for the morgue. Everyone had left the room except for me and a nurse. I started to leave the room when I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, turn around and pray for the man. I didn't listen to it the first time. I've done that before. You said, is that the Lord, or was that just my imagination? I kept walking. The Lord said again, turn around and pray for that man. After the second time, I walked to the side of the stretcher, and I prayed over that man. I prayed audibly. I prayed quietly. The nurse was on the other side of the stretcher. The arms were, were draped over the side. There was no breathing. He was covered up. I said, Lord, what am I going to pray for this man? The Holy Spirit took over, and all of a sudden, these words came out of my mouth. Father God, I cry out for this man's soul. If he does not know you as Lord and Savior, raise him from the dead now in Jesus' name. The nurse looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> All of a sudden, his right arm shot up in the air. The emergency room doctor walked in, and I said, shock this man one more time. He said, no, he's dead. We've declared him gone. I said, shock him one more time. And so he did so out of respect for me to show that the man was gone. He took the paddles, put them on the chest, and immediately a perfect heartbeat came back on the monitor. I had never seen that before in all my training, going back to Connecticut and Duke University. I was stunned. I looked at the monitor. 
The ER doctor and nurse looked at the monitor. We couldn't believe what was happening. Then all of a sudden, his chest started moving with air. Uh, then the hand started moving, then the leg. The nurse screamed, Dr. Crandall, what will we do with him now? What have you done? I said, I cried out for his soul, I said. <laughs> he said the nurse, though he was brain dead, thought he was brain dead, but we rushed him down to the intensive care unit. The other nurses were all talking about this case. We arrived in the intensive care unit, and I put him in his bed. It was late on a Friday night. I signed him over to my partner. I said, I'm signing you out a dead man who is raised from the dead in the name of Jesus, he said. Nothing you can do this weekend will hurt him because he has a call on his life. Dr. Crandall says, I came in on Monday, and the man was sitting up in bed fully alert, looking at me, talking. I said, what happened to you that day? He said this. He said, I'm so disappointed. I was in total darkness. I was in a casket in a dark room, and I was there for eternity, and no one came to visit me. My family didn't come. My relatives, my colleagues didn't come to visit me. After being there for eternity, these men came in, wrapped me up, and threw me in the trash. I said to him, Jeff, never again do you have to be thrown in the trash if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I reached out and grabbed his hand, and we prayed. He accepted the Lord right there in the hospital bed with tears running down his face. This is the documented story from a medical doctor in South Florida long ago. Now, I, I, uh, Will and I met a guy named Randy Clark, who was an old vineyard pastor from St. Louis, who was used powerfully in a revival up in Toronto, Canada, back in the 90s. This is my last story. Um, and he tells the account of a man who uh, was on one of the worship teams when he was preaching. And it was a... It was a a boy who had been raised from the dead was on the worship team when he was there. He had been there before to preach, and Randy says that um, the, the dad tells a story. He says when he was walking through his house one day, and he looked out the window, and he saw a lot of people gathered out on the street in front of his house, and he was just hit with fear, thinking something had happened to his young son. And he ran outside of the door, and he saw his, young, his son's tricycle lying bent on the ground, he had been hit by a car. In the street, his little boy was lying there, and the dad says, as a trained EMT working for an ambulance service, he knew the signs of death, and his son had them all. He had no pulse. He had dilated, unmoving eyes, and there was no respiration. And Randy said, this dad told him, at first I cried out in agony and grief. Then remembering the message I had preached about dead raising, Randy had preached this message about raising the dead, uh, and the guy had heard it. He began calling out for his son to come back into his body, commanding him to come back. He's standing there, on his, in the, and he says, you know, I don't remember what the boy's name is. You, you get back in here right now. You know, come back now. And after a few minutes of commanding him to come back, the boy gasped for air and began to cry. He had been raised from the dead. Not only that, but the many bones that were broken when the car hit him healed in a fraction of the time it normally would have taken for bones to heal. And that boy was playing on the worship team when Randy came back the second time. So, so why are we talking about all this? It's been a little different <laughs> than your typical Easter service. Um, when Jesus died on the cross and was raised, the power of death was broken in our lives. That is, I said, this is part of our identity, okay? What, what do I mean by that? 
We can, something that you can know about yourself if you follow Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, that, that we are probably all going to die one day. We don't know when that's going to be. We might live to an old age. We might die young. We don't know. But if we're walking with the Lord, that, that, that's not going to be the final word. We have, we have, there's a life beyond this life that's better than this life and greater than this life. But that what Jesus released to us doesn't start when we die. I think Mary's telling me a story that a lot of times we think, well, when, when we die, we're going to be healed in the Lord. And when we die, this is going to happen. And we look at death almost like our Savior sometime. Death is the enemy. Death was never God's plan for us. We, we died because of... Uh, Way back in the garden of Adam and Eve's choosing against the Lord and the sin in our own life brought death into our system. It's in our DNA, I believe. And we're going to die, but Jesus' death on the cross corrected the permanent effects of death. Death is not annihilation. I've got a cat. I love my cat. But you know, when my cat dies, my cat is gone forever. You know, uh, when, when, a, when a houseplant dies, it's, it's gone, you know. But we are, we are made eternal. And, and we're going to rise again. And that eternity, we don't, it's, not, it's not annihilation, it's just separation from the body. And just like Jesus, he's our picture. Just like Jesus rose, he rose with a new body. You know, when Lazarus died, he died again. When he was raised, he, he died again. When the Shunammite's son died and was raised, he died again. When Paul died and was raised, he died again. But when Jesus was raised by the Father, he raised with a new body that's eternal. And that's what we have to look forward to. And not even now, for his followers to show that the power of death has been broken, and for us to demonstrate the compassion of the Lord with people, we get to pray and see people healed. And we're even going to get to see people who are dead be raised from the dead. I really believe that. And it sounds, it sounds crazy to say it because it's outside of our experience but it's happening all over the world. It's in the Word of God. It's in 2,000 years of church history. And, and I believe we're going to see some amazing things that God's going to do. And we're going to see His power over death released to us as we walk and follow Him. We're going to see the sick healed and the dead raised. So this is something for us to chew on today and think about and to pray and talk to the Lord about because I believe that there are not Christian superstars that stand on a platform and God uses the Christian superstars. We're a superstar culture. God uses ordinary people released in His power to do His works. And that's good for us because we're ordinary people. Let me pray for us, okay? Lord, I thank You for who You are and I thank You for the radical message of the resurrection. God, I apologize that we've downplayed this, we've sanitized it, we've made it, we've made it simple and unoffensive and to where it doesn't require any faith at all to believe. But Lord, I thank you that your true message of the power of death being broken over our lives because of your death and resurrection, Lord, I thank you that it's real. Lord, that we're going to see you move in our lives and do great things. And Lord, we can, we can not be afraid of death because you died in our place and you rose again and you say that's our future and our victory. Lord, I pray for anybody here today, Lord, who just has a, they have a, a, a fear of dying and is creating an unsettledness in them and a fear and, um, and an orphan mentality. So, Lord, we just break that right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I just pray that you would just replace that with the certainty 
of your Holy Spirit and your presence, that we would walk in peace. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us the courage and the faith just to do the things that you did, to, to see what you're doing and to step into those things and those moments. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in us today. Lord, I love you and thank you in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. Amen.